Thank you, Monty, for teaching us that song. I love it. I love it that it's straight from the scripture. I'd like to welcome all of you, those of you who are here in person. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Those of you who are watching online, we want to welcome you as well. If this is your first time to be part of our assembly, we'd love to know that. We'd love to get to know you more. If you're here, we'd love to get to know you in the Welcome Center afterwards. In fact, after this lesson, I'm going to go there, and I'd love to be able to carry on the conversation. It may be that God has a, something on your heart that you'd like to, to talk about. It may be that you brought in a burden, just a heavy burden, and you, you would like to pray more about it. We're going to be in the prayer room praying, and we would love to to just walk with you in, in whatever burden it is that you're carrying. If you're online, you can check us out on the webpage, uh, and we would love to hear from you wherever you're watching from. There's so many things going on in our, our church family, even though at times it seems like there's not much going on because we're, we're not uh, coming together like we used to, but I just wanted to let you know that the the singles ministry is kind of forming uh, a group again, and um, they're getting together. They, they classify singles as 26 and above, and so uh, the singles ministry is going to be starting a Bible study, and that Bible study is going to meet, meet here at the church building starting on March the 6th, and it'll be at 7 o'clock p.m., so if uh, you want to be part of that, if you want to know more information, contact the church office and they can get you in touch with uh, the organizers of that ministry that's coming together right now and we're really excited about that. I was talking to a preacher friend uh, not long ago and, and I asked the question, I said, what have you learned about your church during this really strange year? Because things are so different. And he thought about it and he said, kind of in a joking manner, but he said, well, I've learned that my people really like having a good reason not to come to church. Now, I think that, I think that he said this in jest, but there may be a little bit of truth to that. But as I began to think about it, that's not what I hear from our church family. I hear this longing to get back together again. I hear how much we miss seeing each other. And we can't wait to all be sitting close together again, packed in here, worshiping our Lord together. You know, church hasn't been easy this year at all. There's been so many challenges. And it occurred to me this week that that maybe it would be good to step back and see the bigger picture. You know, in Ephesians 6, Paul writing to the church there at Ephesus, he says that our battle, our fight is not with flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Now think about that. Think about what could be happening here. Because the very word church means assembly of those who are called out, the assembly, coming together, encouraging each other. What if the evil one, 
The enemy said, okay, I'm going to test the church now. We're going to do something. We're going to have this worldwide pandemic where it's going to be really, really hard for Christians to come together. Let's see what's going to happen. So I began thinking, those of you who are watching online, those of you who get up and you make sure that you've got everything prepared and you take the effort to tune in, what you are doing is actually an act of defiance. Those of you who come to the assembly, and it's not like it was before. You've got to wear a mask. We're tired of wearing masks. I'm tired of my glasses fogging up when I'm wearing masks. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it just kind of bugs me. We're tired of that. But those of you who come together and take the effort to come and to assemble, think about what you're doing. It's an act of defiance. I hope that we can think of it in that term in that way, that when we see the bigger picture, when we tune in online, when we come together in the assembly here in the building, that we're saying, we're actually saying to the powers of the darkness, we're saying, oh, no, you don't. I'm not going to let you. I'm going to push back. I'm not going to be a casualty. Uh-huh. I'm not going to fall prey to your schemes, no way. You see, I'm part of the everlasting kingdom of God, which will never be defeated, and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. Oh, I hope that we can see this as an opportunity to push back in defiance. And so I want to say thank you for joining us. And it's more than just empty words. I want to say thank you for pushing back against the rulers and authorities of the dark world. We're in a study of the Psalms of Ascent, as Monty mentioned a little bit ago. The title is Lift Up Your Head. And the Psalms of Ascent are these 15 psalms that are located from Psalm 120 to 134. And these psalms had special significance for the pilgrims as they would walk from their village to Jerusalem. And they, were, they would do this sometimes up to three times a year for the festivals. And there's 15 of these psalms, and we're not going to be able to look at all of them in detail. But there are several of these psalms that have powerful messages that really we still sing today. The words of the Psalms have been put to music and we might not even know it, but they're part of this grouping of Psalms that are Psalms of Ascent. And so we're going to look at, at some of these today. We've already studied Psalm 120, 121, 122. I'd like you to turn in your Bible, if you will, to Psalm 124. Psalm 124 and I hope that maybe if you're a note taker that you'll write down some things that might lead to further study throughout the week. Psalm 124 is a song of ascent and it is attributed to King David. And in this psalm, David looks back at his life and he makes this bold proclamation. He makes this proclamation that 
Had it not been the Lord who was on his side, that he would have been swallowed up, that he would have been defeated, that it would have been overwhelming for him, and he would have gone under. Had it not been the Lord who was on his side. Now, what this psalm is not, this psalm's not an attempt to explain why bad things happen to good people. This psalm is not an attempt to defend God against some of the criticisms that are given in the world by those who don't follow after God. This is not part of God's PR message. It's not an apology for God. What this psalm is, is a powerful song of proclamation, of declaration, of witness, of testimony. You may want to write that in your Bible, that this is a song of testimony from someone who has seen God work powerfully in their life, and they want to proclaim it to the world. I'm going to quote Eugene Peterson again from his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. He says, the proper work for the Christian witness is not apology, and Psalm 124 is an excellent model. It does not argue God's help. It is a testimony of God's help in the form of a song. The witness is vivid and contagious. One person announces the theme and everyone joins in. God's help is not a private experience, but it's a corporate reality. It's not an exception that occurs among isolated strangers, but the norm among God's people. And so I would like for us right now to pause and reflect on this song as we sing the words. And I'm going to ask that the lights be dimmed so that this can be a time of reflection. And I'd like for you to think of a time in your life when your faith might not have survived had it not been the Lord who was on your side. I would like to have you pause and think of how this could be your testimony, the testimony, the same testimony of David, that had it not been the Lord who was on your side, you would have been swallowed up. Let's sing together. Had it not been the Lord who was on our side, had it not been the Lord who was on our side, the anger of the enemy would have swallowed us alive. Had it not been the Lord who was on our side, Blessed be the Lord who would not give us up. Blessed be the Lord for his unfailing love. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. And had it not been the Lord who was on our side, had it not been the Lord who was on our side, 
the waters would have engulfed us, we would have surely died, had it not been the Lord who was on our side. Blessed be the Lord who would not give us up. Blessed be the Lord for his unfailing love. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. Had it not been the Lord who was on our side. Let's flip one song over. Psalm 125. This is another psalm of ascent that draws on the geographical features that the pilgrim is seeing and experiencing on their journey as they head towards Jerusalem. The path that they're walking on is an up and down path. And it weaves through narrow canyons, and it has many blind curves. Again, Eugene Peterson has some excellent thoughts on this psalm. He says, Jerusalem was set in a saucer of hills. It was the safest of cities because of the protective fortress these hills provided. Just so is the person of faith surrounded by the Lord. Better than a city wall, better than a military fortification is the presence of the God of peace. You see, the disruptor of peace wants us to live with anxiety. The disruptor of peace wants us to be overwhelmed by chaos. But our God is the presence of peace, even in the midst of storm. So I'd like for us to pause right now again and spend a moment thinking about what it is that's disrupting your peace right now. What is it? What's disrupting your peace right now? And let's sing together this song that's about the security that we have in the realization that God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is our very present help in times of trouble. And so we don't have to be overwhelmed by the chaos and the confusion that comes with our circumstance. And just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, we can walk towards our God confident that the Lord surrounds his people. So think of that time. Think of what it is that you find bringing anxiety into your world. And let's give that to God as we sing this song together. 
As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. Surround us, Lord. Surround us, O Lord. We need to be in your presence. The next song in the Psalms of Ascent is Psalm 126. And if you pull back and you look at Psalm 126, you can see that the center sentence in this psalm comes in the second half of verse 3. And it says, we are joyful. We're filled with joy. Now, if you look at this psalm, if you look at the, psalm, the, the words before this, it's speaking of the past tense, the joy that comes from looking back at the past. And then if you look at the, the words in this song that come after this sentence, it's talking about the future. A petition, a calling of God to bless us, to bring us joy, to, to bring us deliverance from what we're experiencing. And so this joy that we are experience, experiencing, this joy that the psalm is talking about, is a joy that comes from having one foot in the past and one foot in the presence, in the present. If you look at the verses 1 through 3, the writer of this psalm talks about when the Lord brought back the captives of Zion. When it was like a dream. It could be that he was, that the psalmist is reflecting on the deliverance from bondage in Egypt, or it could be that maybe it's deliverance from the Babylonian captivity several times when the Israelites were, were captives by foreign nations, but the Lord delivered them from this oppression. And it talks about how their mouths were filled with laughter and there's joyful shouting. In fact, it says that even the other nations, the nations that were on the outside looking in and seeing what the God of Israel was done had done, they were saying, the Lord has done great things. Think about that. The other nations were worshiping the God of Israel. And so that leads into this sentence, we are joyful. But 
The second half of the psalm talks about memories of past times. Past times where God has been present and God has delivered them. When God's hand was so powerful that even, even the nations around praised God. It talks about, it talks about the anticipation of deliverance as streams in the desert, they're, they're wanting God's presence to return. In the desert, when the rains come, they don't, it doesn't rain there very often, but when the rains come, these wildflowers just spring up, and, and the hills that are normally very barren have all of this color, and there's t- longing for that to happen spiritually. Those who sow in tears will have a harvest of joyful shouting. You see, there's joy that's rooted in hope. Hope that just as God restored his people in the past, hope that just as God works to deliver the people back then, that God will do it again. And so the second half of this song is saying, please, God, Please, God, do it again. See us now, Father, in this time of struggle, this time of sorrow, this time of grief, this difficult time right now. Father, we know that you have something that's much better for us, and we are waiting for that to be revealed. So we live in this tension. We live in this tension of joy and sorrow. So how do we live in this tension? Well, first of all, we can acknowledge our sorrow. We acknowledge our sorrow. We don't have to hide it. We don't have to have this plastic smile on whenever we come together. We can be Real because we're called on to to realize that, yes, there are times of sorrow. We don't have to hide that, sweep it under a rug. No, we're allowed to express it. And we hope that as we go through times of sorrow that we'll be surrounded by others of faith. As Christians, we have this strong witness opportunity to acknowledge that our Grief that our sorrow is not like the sorrow of those without hope. Paul writes about this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind do. Grieving without hope. What an opportunity for testimony that we have, and the psalmist calls on us to model this. It calls us to grieve tragedy, grieve loss, grieve brokenness, that we don't have to mask our pain. I love what Henry Nouwen says about this. He says, joy is hidden in sorrow and sorrow in joy. If we try to avoid sorrow at all costs, we may never taste joy. And if we are suspicious of ecstasy, agony can never reach us either. 
You might want to write this down. Joy and sorrow are parents of our spiritual growth. Think about that. Joy and sorrow together are parents of our spiritual growth. But secondly, we can trust that joy is going to prevail in the end. This says this in in this psalm, Psalm 126. It says, those who sow with tears are going to reap songs of joy. One of God's many promises that we have in the scripture is that at some day, all things are going to be restored just as God intended from the very beginning. That our final destiny is perfect peace and perfect joy with God forever. And this isn't an empty promise. No, this promise is backed up by an empty tomb, by a cross. And so we can also live in joy now. That's what this psalm says. We are joyful right now. It could be that you are grieving inside. It could be that you are in the darkest of days right now. But this psalmist, the words of this psalmist say, we are joyful right now. We're able to praise God's goodness even when we hurt, even when life is difficult. In the New Testament, Paul writes that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that just comes up naturally. No, joy is the, is the result of the Holy Spirit working on our hearts. It's not something that just happens to everyone. The closer we are to our Father, the more that we allow the Holy Spirit to work, into our, work in our hearts, the greater our joy. Paul also writes, while he's in prison... To the church at Philippi, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. And so, joy and sorrow, they're woven together as this tapestry in life, and both work hand in hand to bring spiritual growth. And we can rejoice even while grieving right now because we know the end of the story. It's because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. As Jesus bore physical death on the cross, he also bore the consequence of our sin. He took on my curse of sin, and he took that with him into spiritual death as well, where he was in the realm of darkness, separated from God the Father, so that I don't have to. And he leaves the empty tomb behind. And Paul refers to that when he writes, mocking the dark powers by saying, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? It's been taken away by Jesus Christ, our Lord. The early Christians lived out this life of hope, and it changed the world. As they were being martyred, they forgave those who were casting the stones, who were nailing them to crosses. 
as they were persecuted, they forgave their persecutors. They loved them. They loved their enemies. So I'd like for us to think about this time period that we're in. It could be that what the evil one intended to break the church apart, what the evil one intended to diminish the witness of the church in a world, maybe this is the time when we need to shine most brightly. Maybe we need to live in such a way that we live out the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And people begin to say, why is it that you're going through the same hard times that I'm going through, and yet your attitude is so different? What is it about you? What a wonderful blessing it will be then to talk about Jesus, who is our way, who is our life, who is our hope. So we live with joy right now. I'd like for us to end with a psalm. It's not really a psalm, it's a song. It's a modern day psalm, maybe. A song that you may already know was written by someone who was in deep pain, Horatio Spafford. He lived in Chicago. His family had gone through tremendous hardship. His, his son had died, his only son had died. He'd made a great investment in Chicago and real estate, and then this fire, the Chicago fire of 1871, came and totally destroyed him financially. He begins to build it back, and, and, and in 1873, this, his family decides to go to, to England to spend a little bit of time. He sends his wife and four daughters on ahead because he has some business he has to attend to, and he plans to catch up on, on the next ship that goes towards England. But on the way, his wife and daughter's ship hits another ship, and in 12 minutes, the ship that they were on sunk. His wife survived, but his four daughters did not. Anna Spafford, when she gets to England, sends back a telegram, and she says, saved alone, what should I do? Horatio gets on the next ship, and the captain calls him up into his office about the time that they are going through this place where the ship carrying his daughters and his wife capsized, and he writes this song. It is well. It is well with my soul. One verse that we're not going to sing, it's not in our hymnals, but as I was doing some research, he wrote this, but Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. It's because of this grace, this hope, that we can have our relationship with God. And so let's sing this song together, encouraging one another that it is well with my soul.
When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hadst taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought my sin not in part but the whole is nailed to the cross and i bear it no more praise the It is well, it is well with my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sighed, and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the even so it is well with my soul it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul 